This podcast is brought to you by MSI's Prestige Creator Setup. The futuristic design makes a bold statement, but what's even more powerful lies inside. Featuring the latest 9th gen CPU and dual channel memory, creators can save up to 30% of their time to create and render with MSI's Prestige P100 desktop. Complete the setup with MSI's 34-inch Prestige monitor, which supports 4K resolution while also reveling in pure and accurate color hues. The investment matters. Learn more at MSI.com. Photography has inspired a generation of digital photographers to capture moments without Photoshop. In less than a decade, Eric has managed to help redefine footwear and lifestyle photography, and his images have not only popularized his niche as a means of product marketing, but also have managed to convey a singular artistic expression in their own right. A self-taught photographer, Eric's musical training provided a useful framework for his non-traditional path into the world of still photography. He conveys his story in mid-motion, like a climax in a song, an element he learned studying classical music as an opera singer for 12 years. Eric explores this movement by capturing a person or product at the pinnacle of their performance. With the advent of post-production, photography has seemingly lost its power to convey a real moment in time. Eric's dedication to non-Photoshop photography has allowed him to capture surreal moments that have actually occurred in a single shot. Humans levitating in the air, objects floating in the clouds, and sunsets on a seemingly alien world. In 2013, Eric began the hashtag WeLevitate movement, a global community of aspiring levitation photographers that regularly collaborate with notable brands like Nike, ACG, Puma, Alpha Industries, Swatch, Converse, Ciroc, and Fila. His photographs have appeared on billboards including Times Square and Shanghai and have been auctioned at the Guggenheim Museum and published in magazines internationally. Eric, I am out of breath, but welcome to the show, baby. My man, thank you so much for having me, brother. Eric Hercules in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Eric, why don't you start us off with giving the AOV community a little bit more background on yourself? Hey, guys. Uh, first of all, once again, thank you so much for having me. Prince, it's always a pleasure catching always. up with you. <laughs> um, so a little bit about myself. I was born in Ecuador. I came to America when I was eight to pursue music. Uh, and that is truly what I thought I was going to be on this earth to do. Uh, but then approximately seven, eight years ago, I picked up a camera to do the first photo shoot of a startup t-shirt brand that me and my best friend had created. And that kind of made me motivated to begin photography and begin practicing uh, with my camera. And then Instagram popped up and uh, that was like, I downloaded that like what, six, seven years ago. And that's where the whole uh, taking this seriously journey began. Uh, so yes, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a little bit of a, a fun journey. I never thought I was going to be a photographer, but here we are talking about photography, bro. <laughs> I love it, dude. Tell me a little bit about your background. And so, for those of you that don't know, Eric sang opera for twelve years. You were the <laughs> first person out of probably like hundred and twenty podcasts uh, that I've chatted with, and probably one of the first persons I've ever just spoken with in general that spent that long singing opera. <laughs> That's dude, incredible. It was so- 
Thank you. So it all started. My my dad was a professional mariachi. He actually represented Ecuador in the like the international mariachi competition in in Guadalajara, Mexico. And and so I always grew up with my my dad playing guitar or like you know like serenading to my mom or wearing like those fancy mariachi costumes. Uh, and so he he introduced me to music. He took me to a conservatory, and I was supposed to learn piano. But then um, we had this mandatory chorus class and so they realized i can kind of sing and so they they kind of invested into that ecuador is not keen to helping artists and when they realized that they wanted to give me uh, a fairer chance to become who i wanted to be and so that's why when we came here we uh, auditioned for a choir and i luckily got accepted to this one uh, choir that represents new york city it's called the young people's chorus of new york city and they kind of opened the door to me uh, as a musician and, and, and kind of they realized my potential and I saw what I can do as a musician from behind the scenes and, and from singing in all these choruses for years. So that really helped me develop into a full singer. And then I went on to take, you know, singing in high school and in college. Dude, that's <laughs> that's incredible. That's really rad. I would I would ask you to to do a little something something for us. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think this mic will hold it. It's supposed gonna, to be yeah, loud. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I don't know if those earbuds are are, are made for that. <laughs> <laughs> like just a bunch of noise. Um, yeah, man. So it, it it happened so recently, but it's so funny because transitioning from an art to another art people think it might be hard but in reality i feel like a lot of my photography directly is correlated with my study in, in singing and in classical music in classical music they teach you the theory behind the music how people compose their songs how they build a story how there's a a climax and a momentum or a preparation before an idea and and and, and they also speak about color and they speak about emotion and so when you're a singer you're trained to really read all these scripts and all these all of these at times like very foreign languages but you're supposed to interpret them like you know what they're saying and you know exactly what they mean through that music so when you just translate that into photography is exactly the same way you're working for a client the client has a certain aspiration how do you tell it you tell it by by you know the angle from the bottom it implies that it, the, you know it's an aspirational object from the top it makes it look a little bit less aspirational and so different angles compose a different story different color grading composes a different story so just adding these different elements you know creates a great storytelling so yeah that's that's what i like to say about music in my correlation with photography <laughs> Dude, I, I love that and we're gonna get into some some tips on storytelling a little bit later because i, I know you know what you're talking about and, and and i think you have a lot of great wisdom to share with the the listeners um to begin i'd like to just kind of start with the as i call it the elephant in the room uh Obviously, we're all living in these challenging times right now, and so I'm just curious. And you're the first person I've had on the podcast from New York uh, during the you know the events that we've been facing the last couple of weeks here in, in in the U.S. And so, what's it like being in New York City, March or April first, 2020, as <laughs> a creative? It's there's a lot of mixed emotions. Um, we didn't think this was going to evolve to the drastic level that it's at right now. And so we all didn't take it as seriously. Granted, yeah, we all still were precautious and, and didn't go to stores, like didn't go to all these places like you know, everybody was supposed to, was not supposed to. But 
it's evolved to a way where like we actually looking at each other like wow this is something real and as a creative and as somebody that um whose work revolves around going out there and shooting in different locations or, or, or shooting in different settings or meeting different people as a job it's become a little bit uh it's 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 pulled me back a little bit more uh but at the same time it's good because it's given me the time that i find it necessary for me to think for me to rebuild for me to look at processes in my life that i thought needed uh, to have some work on so i think it's given us a necessary time because everybody in new york is always asking for more time we don't have enough time in our days but now with the fact that like we're not going out to meetings we're not going out to shoots and we're focused to working solely from home it gives us that opportunity to create something more for ourselves that in turn would hopefully uh, translate to to the the clients that we work with or the or the people that we work with and along with. So it's it's been the key here is turning it around and make it into a positive because if we sit down and cry and be super sad about the situation, then I don't think that we're taking this opportunity to truly build uh, and to truly you know take advantage of 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 this free time that we normally don't have. I love it. Season the moment. I mean, you have the time and, and, and it That's sounds it. like, I mean, I see you got your photo studio set up in the back. I can tell you've been working and, and reading and just investing in yourself during this downtime, which, you know, is always one of the best things that you can possibly do. I want to get into your photography background. So what caused you to pursue a career in photography? It all was very organic, I would say. So I started my photography with my iPhone only, just testing out angles because um, I wanted testing to see how far I could take this. You have to, you know, that's when <laughs> I think I think like 35 millimeter or something in the camera, but it gives you the perspective. It doesn't give you bokeh, so you don't have to play with the stylizing of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I like, and I would actually advise everybody who's starting photography and complains that they don't have a real camera, is pick out a phone and practice those angles with the ratio of the phone. Learn your basics, which are your rule of thirds and your Fibonacci sequence, and your and your and your you know putting backgrounds into into for and playing with foregrounds and backgrounds and objects and and different layers. So it makes you be creative on purpose. Uh, I remember when I first started, we started with the puddlegrams. So it was puddlegram photography. It was iPhone only. You just flipped your photo uh, camera, put it next to the water and in any random place in the city and you would get this beautiful reflection of whatever it was through the puddle. And so we called it Puddlegram and that was the, how we, me and the homies used to go out there and, and, and catch our vibes. But then I realized I love photography, but Puddlegrams can only get me uh, further enough but not further where I want to be. You start realizing like how many puddle grams do I need to sell in order to make a profit in order for me to sustain myself of this photography stuff. So I started finding, looking out for other ways of like perhaps integrating photography in a way that I can make money out of this. I started, my first real job as a photographer came through uh, this sneaker store called uh, Moe's Sneaker Spot. And they're like a smaller footlocker version just for like New York. Mm-hmm. And they've been around for like super long and uh, they would send me a box of shoes a week ranging from like 10 to 15 shoes all the way up to like 30 to 50 shoes. And the cool thing, now that I look at it as a cool, but I used to hate it back in the day was when they used to send me like 50 shoes because the turnaround for these shoes, I mean, they're releasing that same week. So you have to shoot them like in a day or two max. And so here I would walk around with like a huge amount of bag with like 30 different shoes, 40 different shoes all around the city trying to get this one shot of this shoe. And I would have to send them four 
four different angles of the shoe per shoe. So if it was 50 shoes, it would be, you know, 50 times four. So it was like 400 pictures. I mean, uh, yeah, 200 pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of made me, I mean, I, it wasn't a fun time, but humbly, now that I look back enough, that strengthened me t- towards my future career, would be a com- which would be a commercial photographer. So it built my 10,000 hours full of like, okay, I've shot three pairs of shoes. How can I come up with more different angles to sell this damn shoe? And so I would have to get creative with it. And I think it really pushed me to these boundaries that I didn't think I had out of, you know, that pure necessity of creating product for that. So that was my first major, like, full-time gig. After that, I started doing, uh, I actually went out for a, a meeting with one of my friends in the middle of the winter and it started snowing so beautifully and we were around fifth avenue so i was like dude like let me let's go out really quickly let me take a levitation picture of you at that time i was already doing levitation pictures but it wasn't really for money it was just uh, uh just for for fun and he was wearing this pair of palladium boots and i took it posted it on instagram somebody tagged the team and that's where my first like major i would say campaign that, that changed my life came out of and so that's when we started working together with Palladium Boots, and and that's where it really took off creatively. Uh, and that's when I actually, actually like afford to move out, and that's when I moved out <laughs> and and became a full time photographer. Dude, that's awesome. I love, dude. Like that was a grind. The early, like the early <laughs> photo gig with the shoe store. I mean, that's a lot of. I mean, that's a lot of work hauling all that stuff around New York City, taking you know two hundred shots. And that's like the selects, like that's delivering 200 shots, right? Yeah. So that's not not counting. 1,200 shots. You know, trying to, you know, just get everything right and editing and and all that good stuff. And so, uh, but it's cool that that process and that early, that early legwork allowed you to build up those skills and and put in those, you know, those hours to, to get you uh, to where you are much more quickly than, than had you just been doing like a photo shoot here and there, you know? Yeah, that consistency, you know, I think we, we might have briefly touched on it before, but like, yeah, it's that consistency of constantly working on something with that bigger vision in mind. I've always wanted to work with brands that I liked and brands that I looked up to and, and, and people that I've looked up to. And so I, it's always been a, the hardest critic with my photography and I've always seen like, okay, I would go to a, a Nike or I would go to a Puma, I would go to a, uh, you know, I feel uh, Instagram and I would check out what their Instagram is looking like and one up that or try to one up that with whatever budget I had, which I had none back in the day and just be like, okay, I want this to be Nike level. I want this to be Puma level. I want, you know, just so that it can push me further and further as a vision. And then in turn, it would, you know, create a better system for my workflow, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a tough time, man, but it was, it's humbling. It's good to remember those moments. <laughs> I bet. And we'll we'll get into uh, a little bit more of the the business side of of your commercial work and and all that good stuff too here shortly. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm curious uh, to I want to hop into some of the levitation stuff. And so you were able to actually better yet, how did you decide on levitation photography? to build your personal brand because that's kind of like what you're known for. That's kind of what you created. Uh, I think it's super rad. It's super unique, but how did you, how did you land (laughs) on, on, on that, you know? 
It, it was also very organic, man. So at the beginning of my career, I was working with uh, one of my boys. His name is Friendy Lamorin, and he used to work for Bape in Soho. And he was like a pretty, pretty decent uh, writer in, in the community. And he had this like great, great blog. And so I, would, I, I always looked up to this guy. And one day he was going through Instagram. He saw my images. He's like, bro, I'd love to work with you. And I was like just fucking stunned. Mm-hmm. And I went ahead and... Uh, we shot like a small campaigns together just as a test. And then one of his friends uh, was the owner of this uh, uh, brand new jacket company called Stutterheim back in the day. And his, uh, he gave Friendy a jacket and, and Friendy was like, listen, like the client only said for us to level up his photos. And when he said level up, I'm like, oh, dude, we should have you jump in, bro. And so that same suit, which just happened, happened like seven, eight years ago. Uh, we grabbed a picture of him jumping with a jacket in the middle of the forest, like under a, like a tree at the bottom. And then uh, we also went ahead and played with different angles. So like him making, making him look like he was sitting down when in reality he was just like leaning down. And so the earth looked hard, like, uh, looked, uh, uh, not horizontal, but it looked vertical, you mm-hmm. know? So just like a mind play of some sorts. And after that, I kind of really dig that. And so I started implementing people jumping into every single one of my shots then forward. Ultimately, that kind of became a, uh, a little bit of a trend around uh, the community. And so a lot of everybody, everybody started doing it. And I wanted to challenge myself a little bit more. And so I picked up, you know, the pair of shoes and I started levitating people with their, like, on top of their hands, shoes on top of people's hands or like things on top of people's hands. Um and then I got bored of that and I said, all right, how can we level this up even more? And that's when I really began the commercial niche of, of I would say, photography without the hand. And that's just basically throwing an element with a super high shutter into the frame and then taking your hand super quickly and then shooting that there. Like it just it just landed there. And and that became my thing, you know. So it was really an organic evolution. It's nothing. It's so funny because people think like, oh, like how did that come? It's really not that crazy. I'm just surprised people didn't do it before. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, with the advent of social media, like I would say techniques develop and explode are, are quicker. And since uh, uh, levitation is such an easier way to just elevate an easy branding product, all you have to do is throw something in the air. I think a lot of brands just, uh, you know, jumped on that train. So, so yeah, so I think that's, that's where it is. <laughs> it's, it's super rad because it's kind of become like your brand. It's like your unique perspective and a visually creative way. It's like your visual language is like the levitation. Thank and, you, bro. And, and it's cool. Like to, to discover something like that, like you're obviously a curious guy and you love to experiment. Otherwise you wouldn't have if landed on levitation. You know what I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, if you look at the business component too, there was a thought about that too, because as I said earlier from the puddle grants photography, like you can only sell so many puddle grant prints, but with levitation, you can levitate everything, bro. You know? And so I realized, okay, if I do this and if I make it my niche, a, you have to be consistent at it. And B, you have to like be on top of it. And, and if you really want to spearhead a movement, I've always been very, hard in the way I judge my images. So I've always wanted them to look photoshopped as hell so that people are like, there's no way, that's no way, you know? So like, I, it must've been, I must've practiced 20,000 hours before, you know, like my first images that looked kind of like a Photoshop or whatever, just cause I wanted to fool people. Uh, when I first began levitating shoes, I didn't have, I couldn't afford Photoshop cause it was just like my first job. Like I just wanted to like, you know, get shoes out of the way for Moe's. 
and I didn't have time to Photoshop every single shoe in the air. So I'm like, yo, like we got to come up with something quicker, throwing them in the air. Oh, wait, one eight hundredth of a second does it? Let's go, you know, mm. playing with aperture and then playing with like, you know, different focal lens, focal points, you know, whatever. Um, and then once I stuck to something that really worked, I honed in on that and I and I kind of, I would like to say I've mastered it. I don't think I'm there yet, but I think I, I want to say that I'm, I go hard with my stuff. <laughs> so. You do. You absolutely do. Um, Thank you, bro. How do you, I'm, I'm just looking at you. So I have another monitor over here and I'm just looking at you. <laughs> how do you, dude, how, like what, I know you've done like workshops on this stuff. Like how, like how do you do some of this dude, stuff? Dude, it's, like, it's the easiest thing. Uh, c- camera, at least one eight hundredth of a second. To be honest with you guys, I like to play the hard game so I don't do a burst mode because I think that's cheating. So I want to do one picture at a time. To me, that creates uh, a more connected way of shooting the image because you actually learn when the camera clicks. When you learn when the camera clicks, you can literally capture anything that's in your mind coming your way through the through the lens because you are aware of when that exact frame is going to take place. And so what I've done with all my cameras, and it was a hard switch before I was shooting Sony because Sony has like a perhaps like a two-tenth of a millisecond lateness. Uh, in, I mean, uh, actually faster than my Canon. My Canon, I used to know it by hand. I shot with a 5D Mark II, which is like a fucking an ancient camera for years and years and years. And I mastered that camera. I can shoot one picture and get it. But with my Sony, it was different because the click was different. So I had to memorize that click. And it took a crazy amount of work for me to like get to that, that level with the Sony. So I think it's just practice, practice, practice until you get exactly that feel of motion between your hand letting go of the object and you shooting that image in which the object looks like it's levitating. Wow. It's uh, it's so crazy. They're so crisp. They're and and, and you never, you literally never have photoshopped any of these images. I swear to God, man. I think I've photoshopped one, and it was for a client, and mm-hmm. it was shot because it was at night. But if anybody can find that, I'll give them a, I'll give them a hundred bucks. <laughs> that is that is so dope. Thank you, man. How many? So how long does it take? I'm just. So... It used to take a lot. It used to take a lot. The first images were definitely like one in the first, you know, 20, 30 images. Well, but right now right, between you shooting them yourself, like if you're holding the shoes, well, like what about when you're working with someone and they're right. throwing the shoes or they're throwing so rings? They're or... never, so they're never throwing the shoes. I throw them myself. So, gotcha, the, okay. the, so the millimeter of the cameras that I like to work with is ranges between 60 millimeter to 24 millimeter because that gives the ratio of far away enough so that people look like they're far away and they threw a shoe but yet close enough for me to be able to grab the shoe in front of the camera and pre-focus it and then let go of it and that makes it look like it's a little bit more in motion and it's coming towards a camera and it gives it that oomph so uh, and these are and, and do you ever tape the shoes together or anything to like no i think i've done something like that for one of my clients uh because it was like a two thing two, it was like two pieces or something that i couldn't really get together so i taped that and then threw that out mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken it might have been like swatch but um but no other than that it's been it's been it's it's two and in fact i like when two shoes separate in the air it gives it even that extra oomph like how did you sh- you know how did you levitate two things at the same time like you can't Right. It's just a matter of just like knowing your angles, knowing the weight proportions, and knowing how like the wind is moving. <laughs> so the uh, <clears throat> you had a really dope series. I remember uh, the end of last year, right when the Joker came out. Uh, I want to say, at least for me, I, I feel like you were the first, per- like 
do you think you were probably the first person to the second person to my understanding uh there's this one girl so i i saw the movie coming out on like a monday and i went to Mm -hmm. check it out no it was like a last like the thursday before and then this girl came out with this dope video on saturday but by then i haven't seen the movie first i was gonna go see the movie on sunday i saw the movie on sunday the minute i finished seeing the movie i hit up my boy matthew forge who's like my my levitation muse i would say at this point mm-hmm. and i was like bro we have to remake this it's incredible the storytelling is great and the, the color grading in the movie is just insane um and since i know a lot of people might jump on this before i want to get this thing done asap and so we booked it in like within two days, like we, we went out there. He took the liberty of like inviting one of our really good friends who's also an amazing videographer, Max. So Max filmed, uh, filmed the video and it, and it was a good teamwork. It was a good teamwork. So we went out there. There weren't that many people back then. And then like three, four days later, it was packed with people wearing red suits. It was hilarious. That but, was uh, cool. Like that was a super iconic set. It was thank you, bro. Just- <laughs> At all, it was just like culturally, like on time, on point, you know, it was just like timing, style, <laughs> everything you. was just like perfect. Thank you, bro. And you know, that's what I've realized too is a lot of creatives have realized this too the potential of like the speed and the quality. You can really create a great story that, that, um, that fits in at the right time in, within the culture, you know. And, and, and this was a great example. And I'm, thank you so much for bringing it up because it also gave us. A little bit of time to learn about the community within that space mm-hmm. so the minute that a lot of people kept jumping up to harlem i don't know if you saw the news but like it became an influx of a lot of people from different communities going up to harlem and shooting the same thing and it was bothering the community around them because it was a impoverished community uh of which they they were suffering the repercussions of uh of um a gentrification and so they fear that this was going to create more gentrification and more people were going to come in and move out and kick them out and they weren't going to be able to afford their buildings anymore or their rent anymore. So we actually had a time to sit down with one of the people who spoke out on this and he actually blew up because he was like, hey, how dare you guys walk into this? And we, we spoke about it and then we rectified it and realized that it was a mis- besides being an issue of a lot of misunderstandings in the city part, it was also misunderstandings from our part as creators who come into places not realizing the historical impacts they might have or, or you know, just taking landmarks for what they are and not really um, looking around the surroundings and understanding the where they are, culturally speaking. So it was it was an empowering movement. Um, I mean, an empowering project for me personally, uh, just aside the photog- photography, just learning about the environment uh, of where that took place. Yeah, that sounds like an, an interesting experience. Um, <clears throat> I've never really thought about it that way, but it, it is interesting how as photographers, like even though we're, we're storytellers, to some extent, you kind of, I guess you could look at it as like we're stealing culture in a weird way. When you, like, when you go to someone else's homeland, like you travel to their country and photograph their mountain and then blowing up off of, you know what I mean? It's like kind of... <laughs> It's kind of like yeah. how people are like, oh, you're taking our style, taking our, you stole our music or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And you guys are capitalizing off something that we created. And uh, I guess there's lots of layers of sensitivity like we could probably go into there. And I don't necessarily want to jump into that conversation, <laughs> but it's, it's something that uh, I've never really thought about until you just said that. You know, and I didn't think about it until that project happened um, because I felt the same way. I'm like, oh, no, we're just going and just, you know, showcasing the stairs from my perspective. But the intentions were pure. You weren't going there to Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, jump on anybody's you know boat and, and destroy any communities. But the side effects of of that, when replicated in a in a multitude, when like you know it's not just one photographer, but five hundred thousand photographers jumped up there, and people that actually use those stairs to walk up and down from work couldn't go to fucking work through those stairs, so they had to go around. Like it becomes problematic, yeah. you know. So yeah, so it was it was a it was a humbling experience, and thank you so much for uh, bringing that project up. It was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So what what so I know you're shooting on Sony. You said so. What gear are you using? Right now, I have a A7R seven R three. I was gonna jump jump for the R four, but I think the megapixels are just way too crazy, and I don't I don't think we need as many megapixels uh, for now. Uh, but yeah, my R three, my go to lens are the sixteen to thirty five millimeter, the twenty four millimeter, the seventy to two hundred, and then the fifty. You know the the basics that everybody uses. And then I have a 90 millimeter, which I just purchased like three months ago, which I'm having really fun, fun time playing. Cause it's a macro lens. So it's a whole nother level of thing. I'm, I'm aiming to shoot some levitation macro stuff, but it's, it's a little bit more complicated than I thought. <laughs> we'll get there. I'm excited <laughs> to see that Aaron outdoors. She's been doing like cool macro. I'm like seeing these little, these with a broccoli like looking guys like in like broccoli, bro, uh, broccoli, broccoli <laughs> fields. Um, she did it's like a dope. paper bag that looked like Antelope Canyon. It's super freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? The one thing though that I had to discover that, so I actually bought that lens for a gig only to realize that it's a lot more complicated shooting macro because at macro levels, even aperture F point F five, is very thin so in order for you to get a whole subject into perspective it needs to be like f11 or something therefore you play with a lot of noise you have to play with a lot of light you have to play with high apertures and so a lot of these things make things a lot more complicated if you shoot like let's say if i go to la and shoot right now levitation it's so easy levitation like la is filled with sun you can shoot at f point not f9 and shoot at one two thousandth of a second and it can still be crisp and light and you don't need to even up your iso so i guess it just depends on the you know but macro has has been the very very difficult ish so i want to see how it plays around uh, on later <laughs> nice i'm excited i'm excited to see some some of that how okay. has uh how's photography affected your life path like what were you what were you before photography, like what were your plans in life? I mean, it was like, was it to become an opera singer? And then this was kind of a, a U-turn or? Bro, it was, it was insane. It's so funny because my parents have always been super supportive of what I've done. It's, it's been very, very, very humbling. And, um, we came here for music. And so it only made sense for me to be a musician. I went to LaGuardia high school for music and arts. It's like, there's a movie called fame about it, but it's like, you know, kids walking down the hallway and singing and all that stuff. That's literally my high school. Um, and so I grew up surrounded by artists. So when you go to that high school, uh, you have to apply and then you can either become a singer, photographer, I mean, singer, artist, like painter, dancer, tech, or actor, or, uh, or being the orchestra. Uh, so, you know, you go to a school surrounded by the arts, you just see all kinds of artistic people. And these are like incredibly talented kids. Like you're talking about, you have in a, a, uh, a conservatory level training at a high school level. And so a lot of these kids end up being like, like movie stars or like major singers, like, uh, who, um, there's like a whole list of people, but it's, it's like the competitiveness is crazy. And so the art schools, bro, it's crazy. And so it's humbling because you see a lot of people come in from very poor backgrounds and be super talented. And a lot of people come in from very wealthy backgrounds 
and having lessons their whole life and they still can't match up to the raw talent of the other person. So it's very humbling because you learn to appreciate who people are based on their objective talent, not their backgrounds, not how they look, not how they, you know, treat, uh, walk, walk, walk the walk, but how they actually like, uh, you know, perform. And so, um, that built me up, uh, really a little bit earlier, I would say than the regular high schooler to become an opera singer. And I was like, dude, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to be an opera singer. I really took it seriously. I moved on to conservatory. And I think that's where the, the fun stopped being fun because I realized that opera in itself has a, uh, a very programmatic slash structure, like old school structure way of being. It's very old school and you have to follow certain rules. Me as an open-minded artist, I don't kind of like following the what's done. I want to discover new paths into creating my art. And conservatory was just not for me. It's very, uh, it's very strict. And so I walked out of there, bro, three years and a half into my opera career and I switched to business because I realized business was going to give me both the education that I need to succeed in anything and be more time to do photography. And at that time, I was already doing, I was trying to be an entrepreneur, you would say. And so that's when I kind of took the, the leave to focus more on like my little brand, my little t-shirt brand uh, that started photography and my photography and focus away from opera. Uh, so that was the, the the switch. I remember my mom sitting me down and telling me like how disappointed she was. You know, she was like, "How are you going to pay your bills now? Like, you couldn't have paid your bills as an opera singer. Like, how are you going to pay your bills as a photographer? You're going to make even less money." Yeah. Um, and so it was very disappointed, and and I actually had to walk out of my house twice uh, to prove them wrong. And the second time I walked out, that's when I kind of I got all my 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 gigs that changed my life. So it was it was meant to be for sure. <laughs> that that's that's rad. You got to go after what you got to go after and not everyone, uh, obviously family supportive, but sometimes you're not supportive when you, when you make big decisions for, you know, when you, <laughs> when you, when you, when you change the path, they moved here for you. That was the path. You were going to do that. And, uh, that kind of shook the house, but it, it, it's rad that you had the, uh, the faith to just do you and to, and to keep moving forward and, 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 it all worked out. Look at you now killing it. <laughs> Thank you, bro. It, and I think it is, it is that a lot of people don't see that vision. We were just talking a little bit earlier. Like a lot of people don't see that vision. And, and I think it's your job to clear that vision for yourself so that then you can turn around and say, Hey, listen, I see it. Now you see it with me. Now let's walk on it together. My, my sister, she's an incredible photographer as well. And I think that a lot of the steps she took was because like she saw the moves that I was making or like the fights that I was having with my mom and she decided to do her own route as well. So now my mom is a little bit more understanding with her and her choices of doing things because she understands that ultimately if you really are about it, no matter what career you choose to do, if you're passionate and willing to put in the work, there is absolutely no way you can't succeed. Mm-hmm. It just takes that determination. And it's, yeah. it, it's difficult to, to talk to people about things. You talk to your parents about you know, going to be a photographer is very different than showing them, mm-hmm. you know, because people just don't understand until they see it. Once they see that you're doing okay and making money, it's like, Oh great. My son's a photographer. You know, even <laughs> being an entrepreneur, my parents used to just panic, you know, when I was young because I was so broke, I was sleeping on the floor, I was taking bird baths, wiping my pits off in the sink with, you know, like didn't even have a shower, dude. Didn't have a bedroom, uh, lived out of my office and, wow. and, uh, they were just so, so worried. But the moment you're doing well in paying bills and, and doing just fine, uh, everyone gets it. 
you know? And so that's why I think oftentimes it's easier to just show people than it is to talk about things or, you know, even with ideas, you know, a lot of times people will shut your ideas down because you're talking about an idea and they can't grasp the concept. So they shut it down versus if you show them the idea, they're like, Whoa, this is awesome. You know, you get a totally different (laughs) response. That's a very good point you brought up, man, because I think the same way. And in fact, I think we're going through that right now in this transition within the creative community. You know, it's like a lot of the people that are really killing it are coming up with their own ideas for their sakes. And a lot of companies are jumping onto these ideas because they see they see how well it's working for them. Um, so it's a very entrepreneurial mentality that I think you need to have just to become an artist, man. It's, it's crazy. You need to make that jump when no one sees it, when no one's vouching for you, when you have no client roster, no portfolio, you know, but I I also think it's very important to be aware of that, you know, that other perspective of like the business. Okay. Like be a little bit smarter, you know, cause I can't just come out and pretend to be a photographer and then not have any idea of what I want to be doing. At least I have to be aware of my markets or like where I want to get into, where I want to invest my time in, um, just to make sure that I'm marketable. You know, and I think a lot of artists make that mistake. They go into it just for the photograph, but they don't know what they're going to photograph. They don't know if they should market themselves as as commercial photographers, wedding photographers, event photographer. You know, so they all carry different price points and different marketing initiatives mm-hmm. um, or branding. So I think that it's very important for you to just cement on something that you want and then just go on that full, 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 full on. Let me ask you. You had said something super interesting earlier about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about, you know, shooting. If you want to make someone look like a hero or epic, you maybe want to shoot them low from, you know, shoot them from below. Mm-hmm. If you want to make them look a little bit smaller or less significant, you want to shoot them from above. How do you think under, like understanding the science and art of storytelling can help benefit photographers' work? I think it's everything. <laughs> I think it's everything. If you give somebody the same apple, you know, you give 10 photographers the same apple and then they all come back with different perspectives. Objectively speaking, none of them are wrong and none of them are right. But one of those photographers is going to come up with a story that captivates your senses or your pers- or your feelings a little bit more than the rest. And if you were to quantify that or at least to go and analyze that image that that photographer gave you in comparison to the rest, you would see that there are a lot of strategies that he or she might have used and also a lot of meaning behind these strategies. A lot of people think that, oh, just because I go to YouTube, I search the five best things to make me a better photographer and I follow these five best things without really understanding what they serve to do in your image. Right. you're not really going to get the best result. It's going to be like me trying to fake, uh, uh, you know, a Jonathan Mannion shirt shot or something, you know, you want right. to be able to be authentic to your vision. So what I would recommend is for me, I found this levitation stuff. All right, cool. Levitation is one thing, but then how do I focus on the angle of the shoe so that it maximizes the view of the shoe? And then I bring it down a little bit more and then I, uh, you know, and then I lift up the heel of the shoe so that you're able to see a little bit more of the shoe, therefore maximizing the storytelling of the shoe. And if I levitate it the right way, you know, use the rule of thirds on that, have an interesting background, all of a sudden you're creating 
an image that is perhaps 10 to 10, 15, 10 to 15 percent better than a previous image I would have done without putting that extra thought into it. So I think analyzing every component of the shot from the framing to what's in the background to who's in the background to who is doing what in the background, these little elements that by themselves mean nothing when added together can elevate a, a photograph from a simple shoe levitating to a shoe levitating looking like it's the next best thing that you want to buy. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think it, to me, it's everything. I'm, I'm a perfectionist to a fault. I said, I think, I think a lot of my projects, uh, I, I'm not happy with 90% of them to be honest with you, bro. Um, but I think at the same time, uh, there's a lot of things that I haven't done because of that same perfectionism that I think I want to stop. And I think this is a time during the coronavirus, but that's not a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is an interesting conversation about being a perfectionist, but, uh, I think the storytelling aspect, like you can see it in your photography. I'm on your website. I'm looking through your portfolio. The work's amazing. Definitely tells a story. And the interesting thing about people that understand storytelling, they can actually communicate the photograph. A lot of times you talk to people about an image and, they don't have much to say because they just took a photo. They're, there's not much there. And I think that's one of the benefits I would say about like art school or photography school is uh, I don't I mean, I don't think it takes, you know, a four year program to, <laughs> to learn photography. I think it can be done in like two, one and a half. But uh, at the same time, I think assignments like go out and capture mm-hmm. sadness capture uh courage capture like these feelings and these these specific subjects and things like that they make you think about the you know the angles and how you it puts you in the the storytelling mindset versus the i'm just an instagram photographer snapping cool photos and so i think there's a lot of value in that but i think that's something that people could easily incorporate into their work is to give themselves assignments, like rather than just going out and, and shooting for the sake of shooting, give yourself an assignment, go out and, yeah. and portray some type of emotion or try to communicate something with the image and, and see how you do. Amen, bro. I mean, when I started photography, I, I would remember like, I'll see something in Instagram or online and I would Google how to do that. And I remember like slow shutter photography. I was like, wow, these like lights are moving. How do you do that? So I took a tripod, a shitty tripod, took my camera and then like i remember like after watching the video i like went out for like five hours came back at like 2 a.m edited the same photo that night and all of a sudden boom i had mastered i had learned slow shutter photography you know and so i think it's putting your position put yourself in that position and to be honest with you if you love photography or if you call yourself a photographer that does this for the love you should be doing this all the time. It shouldn't be hard work. It is, after all, what you love, wouldn't you say? Like, the reason you're following a path is because you're able, like, not only, like, you love it, but by the same fact that you love it, um, you know, you're willing to put in those extra 10,000 hours of work, at least when you're beginning. I feel like when you're, like, right right now, that is my full-time work. I only shoot, like, you know, very minimal, uh, unless it's work or, like, unless it's something that I really love. But I feel like when I was first starting, just to be able to understand the technology or the, or the angles or whatever, you have to put yourself in that position. And, and, and I think, you know, I learned, I learned it. I learned that that's art of storytelling through, right. through conservatory, you know? So it was the same thing. It was, that was my version of art school. So in essence, I, I agree. Um, I want to hop into uh, business now. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Tell me about Hercules, New York. Oh man. So Hercules, New York, um, First of all, came out of that's official. It sounds like 
it sounds like the agency. It's like, yo, hire Hercules New York. Like <laughs> That's 2020 vision right there, bro. That's what it is. Um, it came out of necessity. And I say this humbly because when I, when I was first starting photography, my whole focus was just humbly to just you know, get paid to pay my bills and, and work. But as it, this industry has escalated and I've had my years in the industry and seen the behind the scenes and seen the budgets that agencies work with and seen the way the landscape of, of the agency world and how they treat artists, um, I've kind of been appalled by by certain treatment of, of creatives. And I've seen a lot of creatives overwork for underpay and that's only growing wider. Uh, and the industry is looking at that like it's something normal. And I've always been for the creative. I'm a creative myself, but I also have a business mom. And she's sat me down and spoken to me about the business of life ever since I was eight. And so a lot, you know, all these simple conversations that I would have with my mom, I realized that a lot of my friends didn't have these conversations with their parents. And therefore, they didn't know the value of their time, the opportunity cost, the value of licensing, the value of understanding the market, the value of understanding you know, your place in the market and how much you should be charging for a particular photo or whatever. And so with this agency, I came out because A is going to, I guess, big brands were looking at me like just an influencer or, or, or a simple photographer when I can bring my whole squad and we can create bigger projects than just me or myself. I think it's, it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but B, I kind of founded it as a hub, uh, in partnership with my, with my, uh, partner, Eli Moskowitz to make it be a place where artists can feel safe or at least, uh, artists can get value out of so they can understand their own value for their artistic perspective. So, um, you know, we want to start building or just start spreading more knowledge about business, start spreading more knowledge about licensing, start spreading about more knowledge about opportunity cost, or a lot of these things, these simple aspects of the business that when you explain it to an artist, it can go and it can increment their salary from like 20K a year to like 60K a year just by understanding the simple format of how the business is conducted outside of just creating the photo, you know, and, and understanding your value. So I think that this agency is just, um, the hub for things that I love, which is both creating dope photos with dope brands, but also be educating the community and making it be at least of a, a hub, an, an internet hub for now to, to, to begin a conversation that must be had. This industry is changing and I'm, and I'm out here all for it. I want to help it change. So let's, let's go at it. Most yeah. definitely, you got to be a part of the change. Uh, be a, you know, be a front runner in the change. Uh, it's really neat you that go. you're doing this with your your friends. I'm a big you know promoter of talented people getting together. You can you can conquer so much more and go so much further with you know we let's just call them you know these small communities, these small groups of creators teaming up and, and launching organizations where you can move faster, take on more business, build a more credible name in the marketplace and create more value for yourselves, for uh, the clients and then everyone in between. I'm curious, what were some of the hurdles that you encountered when you were building uh, Hercules New York? And or what are the, some of the hurdles that you encounter today with Hercules New York? Oh, so Hercules New York is um, is a baby. It's, it's, it's in its relative infancy of two months. Uh the hurdles right now are building a team and building the system for the team. Uh, we, as we might have spoken before, it's it's a lot harder than it seems. And although a lot of people can be motivated, when you put them all together with one single vision, 
everybody has their own little ways of doing things. So you have to be open-minded enough to let people, you know, live their own life, but also uh, create a parameter of work so that we're all cohesively building for this same ultimate vision. You know, and so that's that's been something that has been uh, proven my leadership skills. I've realized that no longer can I just serve my purpose as a creative, I have to serve a bigger vision with more people under my wing. And taking that leadership has also been very humbling and has taught me that, you know, I have a lot to work on. And 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 these last couple of months have been crazy in, in that sense. Another thing I would say would be the financial aspect of it all. Um, people need to understand that a lot of these agencies are formed with a lot of, like, portfolio. And that portfolio gets built up by a lot of back-end work or a lot of, like, work taken on as a loss. You know, we've invested a lot of time with a lot of startups who we really believed in in hopes that once they get to the level where they want to be and we get to the level that we want to be, you know, we'll create that big partnership in which we can all win at a greater level. But right now, I think it was just investing in a lot of these brands and, and you know, doing stuff for pennies on the dollar just to build that agency portfolio. Um, it was a humbling experience. I think uh, I've never worked as hard over the last, you know, but but it's it's it was things that we needed. We got a lot of experience out of that, which I think is the most valuable asset you can get is experience. And being able to say no now when you see things from far away because you understand where certain things lie is very important as well. And the nice thing about coming up with each other, like there's there's something to be said about being on the same level. (laughs) You know, it's like there's there's a reason people have classes. And, and, And when they say class, it's more or less like, you know, these artists came up with each other. They're the freshman class of 2017. <laughs> these are all rookie musicians, and now this mm-hmm. is where their class is at. And same thing goes with business. Like, you guys being two months old, these startups being in their infancy, a year from now, you guys will be bigger, you guys will be better, you guys will be more polished. They'll be bigger, they'll have better products, they'll have stronger revenues, and they'll be <laughs> able to do bigger projects. You build long-term compounding relationships over time, and then you know, every year, you know, you guys are growing, they're growing, increasing the work. And there's, there's, there's something to be said about patience and something to be said about, uh, investing in the future as well. Exactly. And, 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 and relationships are everything. And that's a great place to be. You know, I, I, from my standpoint and what I've seen in, in building our business, that's a great place to be is to to have a bunch of startups you're working with at this day and age at, at, you know, only being a, a few months into the game and knowing that over time you can build great relationships that could transform, you know, your company could look completely different in three years. Four Thank years. you. Um, yeah. And being open-minded to that change. You know, a lot of the times we have an image of what our company is supposed to be like. And then you realize like, no, why am I trying to build the next Apple? I should be building like the, like the Hercules New York agency, you know, like let it be on its own, you know, and the building systems for, to do that is, uh, is a lot harder than one one might think. <laughs> well, that's how you escape competition as well. Yeah. You know, if, if, mm-hmm. if you're just recreating what every other agency does, then guess what? You're just going to be stuck competing on price. Yeah, and that's not what we want and products. Today. So basically price mm-hmm. and services, that's, that's the only negotiating room you have because there's nothing special about it. But if you stay true to, uh, to Eric Hercules, it's your DNA. It's your guys' brand. It's your the way that you guys make people feel. Um, it's your look. It's your everything. Like that's what makes you guys. That's what makes a you know a person special or a company special, um, and allows you to really escape competition. Otherwise, 
you know, and the same thing with photographers. Mm. If, if you don't have like a true brand and you're not willing to let your personality shine, then there's really nothing special about you. You're just an order taker and you're just competing on services and price. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be a bigger vision, you know, but you know what the humbling experience that I, that I so I've always been like the dad to my friends. And so, I mean, I, I have like also like, you know, the, the different circles, but like I had like one, one core team in which like we would sit down like every month and like just discuss life and like, like just like a podcast, but before podcasts, like I've been doing this for like six years, like sitting down, like, yo, what, what do you, what's wrong with you? How can we help you? Or, like you should do this in your business or your strategy or your whatever. And, um, but one of my friends said, you know what, bro, like you need to realize a lot of people are happy where they're at, you know? And it, and it kind of shook me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, cause I've always been, my mom raised me in a way that was the whole world is at your fingers. You just got to go out there and get it, you know? And if they can do this thing, so can you, because they're humans just like you. And so I've always looked at people from an equal level. Uh, but a lot of people out there that are, I think a little shy of their full potential. So they think that they're doing their best when in reality, they're only like 10%. So although they're happy at a certain spot, you know, they can always push a little bit further. And I think, you you know, we're talking behind this podcast, that compound effect of just pushing a little bit further each time. Ultimately, you look back and it's a whole different level. Right. Um, and I think that 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 takes, you know, that time that takes that perseverance and 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 patience, as you said, which is key. Yeah. And I think everyone and everyone grows at their own pace. You know? Yeah. I think, okay. I think being a good friend, I think it's important to push your friends. Like, I'm definitely that friend that pushing my close <laughs> friends i'm the guy that's you know cool my boy's got a uh you know w- one of my close friends has an awesome jewelry business and we hang out a lot and we'll shoot the bow and go out and hike and do various things but i'm always just like i'm always pushing them to think bigger. <laughs> like not grilling them you know i love them but i'm like i'm just like you know and then what all of a sudden the, he comes yeah. to me and he starts thinking bigger <laughs> and then he's got questions and and you know and he starts to see yeah, like, whoa my vision just opened up to a whole nother like 10,000 yards like there's so much more (laughs) out there than what I was than what I was thinking I was in my backyard and so uh you know that's one that's that's one beautiful thing we can do as a community is to continue to uh in kind ways and with with pure intentions to to push each other to to aim for more to 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 think bigger and to 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 accomplish you know what we want to set out and accomplish amen man I agree let's all win yeah boy um, what's a typical day look like for you eric it really depends um right now i think i'm in my startup entrepreneurial mindset and so i definitely the, the first things i do wake up is i, I grab a coffee with my girlfriend i wasn't a coffee guy she got me into it uh and then i just read for at least half an hour just to like wake up the mind right after that i think um 90% of my life, to be honest, right now is focused on strategy and focused on creating the the bones of Hercules New York. Uh, so that's basically it. You know, it's I wish it could be a little bit prettier, but also with this coronavirus, it ain't nothing more <laughs> to do but to sit in front of your computer and do work, <laughs> really. Uh, but I try to keep myself motivated. I just started um, this setup we just see behind me for YouTube content i realized that i've been a little too shy over the last couple of years and there's a lot of knowledge i would love to share with people in terms of education or in terms of like brand opportunities or how you deal with brands or the business of working as a commercial photographer from all different layers from social to you know like billboard stuff that i think a lot of people would get really a lot of value out of it and i think i've just been shy but in a sense i think i've just been greedy 
because I haven't shared this. And so I'm taking this opportunity lately to just really create videos. Um, I'm working on that this week. And then just be just be busy doing stuff that I want to do. I want to create like a little short video of like this chess piece until like a bigger story about like the chess piece being society that I'm like, I want to work on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like jotting down plans for that like little like five minute movie or whatever that I want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. time is in our hands right now, guys. Like it's quarantine time. You're stuck at home with nothing but your laptop, your gear and free time. Like do creative stuff that just brings you back to that creative motif mm-hmm. you know so that's what i'm that's what i'm doing right now just staying as busy as i can just being creative cooking a lot more with with my gal we picked up a couple of Lange books um this this great art uh, chef that i recently found out of she got me into um so working on on my chef skills um hey. So so we'll see. So we'll see. You might have Ladies, a chef in, in the building. Get yourselves a man. Get yourselves a man that can cook <laughs> all day. That's twenty twenty priorities. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a solid routine, man. My routine's been a little funny since been home. You know, since I've just been home a lot more with the animals. I've been mm-hmm. been waking up like the last two days, dude. Like fight or flight. Like this morning was crazy, man. I woke up mm-hmm. and my cat was just <laughs> hunting me. I literally Dang. wake up and my cat's just like on the ground and I just, it just pounces. And I'm just like, <laughs> Yo, that's another thing actually. So one of my, one of my girlfriend's friends left to Singapore for the coronavirus and she had a cat. Singapore is like 25 hours away. And so she's like, yo, the cat was scared as hell for the first week after that airplane. I can't take her back. We thought that this thing was going to last two weeks. So we decided to take the cat with us. Mm-hmm. So now we have a cat too. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Cause this cat is also like on that level too. Like Bro, a little needy, but like don't dope. mess with me. Cats like, are so dope, but like, they're like, Hey, I love you, but I'll kill you. Yeah. And the like, funny thing is like, I, I don't know if you've seen that. What's the, the tiger King. Bro, we binge out in 24 hours, yeah, so, man. It was so good. <laughs> so Tiger King, bro, all these people talking about how much they love their tigers. Yeah, let me let me see you sleep with your tiger, jaguar, lion. Like, let me actually sit in your room. You will wake up murdered because they're sweet. They'll hang out until they fr- – dude, cats are something else. They are such interesting animals. Can you see how stealth they are at, like, a small size? You can only imagine – what these big cats can do. But yes, I agree. That show was, that was something else. That was something else. Definitely recommend it. What's the girl's name? Uh, Virginia, my girlfriend. No, 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 not your girlfriend. Oh, the kid. Oh, I wouldn't call you. What's the girl's name? name? (laughs) Bro, my girlfriend. Uh, Her name is fancifully kitty. Kitty. Um, no, the lady, (laughs) the lady, the cat lady from tiger King, Joe's nemesis. Um, Carol, 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 Right? Bro, I don't know about her, dude. I don't trust Carol, dude. Something's I think she might have done it, bro. Carol. I feel like I'm a good judge of character. She is way too calm. She like never has any emotion. She's, she's such a good business. She's such a good business lady. She knows the game backwards and yes. forwards. And she, that's what she knows how to play it. Everybody she's else the same is donating. Game as Joe and them, but she's just going the political route. And, so, and, and she's and, winning. It's so sad that she's working. Yes. Like it's working out for her. Dude. What I loved about this show is that it showed you two <laughs> aspects of reality. Because to me, Joe was such a real down he was as real to himself as anybody yeah, could have ever. Crazy. no one is they're all, real cra- they're all a little out there but like it's not like he I mean, kept it 100 to himself yeah. though he was always like i'll tell you what i think do i want to kill her i do you know but like <laughs> yeah. damn respect but at the same time like y'all crazy you know but <laughs> the other girl is not saying all these things she knows her political position but she's out here committing crimes bro <laughs> dude 
Dude, you know yeah, what's so the, cool? whole, the whole husband disappearing thing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't Yo, know. one last thing before we like move on to the thing because it's a good. I could talk about this forever. <laughs> this this lady is so well structurally in business position that um, my girlfriend was trying to donate some money to this one charity. She clicked on it and it, it appeared like a whole list of like charities you can apply to, and hers was one of that. Even after that Netflix show, like she's so positioned, she's getting money out of all these things. Dude. People working for free. She's getting hit like, now, though. She's getting a lot of. There's a lot of articles coming up, dude. One of the real, investigators tweeted point. like, "Hey, now's a great time to see if there's any new leads on this." Because I think a lot of people feel the same way. They're just like, "I just don't." There's more to her. Like, do a series on her. There is something off and her husband her third husband husband. that guy dude i think he's you know they all kind of have like weird relationships and 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 they almost seem like they become slaves to the animals and to like like joe had his people right like uh, he's a slave to her man yes he's like she's perfect she i'm like dude you're off too. check them both something (laughs) is going on there my cat senses are telling me I think so too. She's crazy. Twenty twenty off to a crazy start, guys. Dude, I dude, I know, man. Um dude, this I'll never forget this year. Wow. What are what other hobbies and special interests do you have at the moment? Um, we've been doing a lot of yoga. It's, be- it's become a routine. Although I'm saying this after skipping two days, but we haven't skipped the days before that. <laughs> um I think that right now the key even as creators or as people like just working from home just for the sanity perspective, especially in New York City, which like you don't have that many parks to walk around at and, and get your life from. Mm. So I think, uh, you know, I, I've, we've also done some yoga, a little bit of meditation, eating right. I think that just investing in yourself in whatever capacity that is, whether it is through education or through YouTube courses or through podcasts or through reading books about things you like, like this is a time. So I think I'm, I'm very focused in rebuilding myself, both uh, like psychologically, uh, business wise, and, and also staying creative, you know, as I told you about these YouTube things that I'm trying to work on. So, so. would, 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 would the 10 year old version of Eric Hercules be proud of the 28-year-old version of Eric Hercules? <laughs> Can I be honest with you, bro? I don't think so. My 10-year-old version has been a savage. My, I mean, so I'll tell you a little bit about my, my mom is and my dad. Like, I look up to them. You know, they're my, the people in, at the top. Uh, but my mom was, like, self-made at, like, 20. Like, she came out of home at, like, 15. Like, one of those stories. Mm-hmm. And so the expectations on me has always been, like, you're going to kill it. You're going to have to kill it, you know? And so even though I wasn't said, she's always expected out of, a lot of, out of me. And I'm finding right now that I'm truly learning about myself now. So a lot of my expectations have switched. Gotcha. Um, as a, you know, from 10 to 15, like I really thought I was going to like make it as a singer by like 20. It's like you, you know, and then Jackson path. I was like, I was it on just, it, man. I yeah. mean, the the track like we put in crazy work you know done like Carnegie Hall VMAs Lincoln Center like like back to back to back and so I grew up like you know like looking at the behind the scenes of all these major events or like you know Lincoln Center tree lighting as like a twelve year old so like a lot and and I, and I real and it kind of up my ego a lot and I guess you know now this is a podcast about my story which I, I'll I'll tell it to you right now but my ego is very high up until I was like seventeen eighteen. Like tremendously high. I thought it was gonna be the next big shit, and 
when I switched to photography, it was kind of starting from a new. And the reason I actually quit opera was because it wasn't going to my liking. And I had to abide by a game that was already written before I got there. And I hated that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that in order for me to continue my path the way I wanted to, I have to humble down and be really proactive in the way that I see things, not only for the good of myself, but the good of as a whole, you know. And so I think that, yes, from that perspective, I think that the 10-year-old me would be very happy in the way that I've changed and developed as a person. Like, I'm not in here to win it for myself anymore. I'm out here to change the game for everybody or to put in a little bit of sand, you know, like, I want to be a little bit of that extra sand that creates that ocean of change. Um, you know, so I think that, that my 10-year-old me wouldn't have that perspective that I have now. <laughs> so although I don't think I'm killing it the way I would have meant to be killing it at 10 i think that i'm a lot better now right. with a with a better mindset in terms of my goals and ambitions and and than i than i was back then dude that's and that's all that matters finding that <laughs> finding that alignment i'm sure you're much more in alignment today doing you know something that brings you a lot more joy than what you were kind of you know pushed into obviously you loved it to a certain extent but there's also kind of like a path that was kind of laid out for you It was. It was. And the expectations were very, very big, you know. And so from little, like we came in, I was at the, you know, the basically the choir that represented Queens and later the choir that represented New York. And like these are like, you know, like top one percent choirs. Like we went to the choir Olympics, we won gold, like, you know. And so they gave me so many opportunities that at the young age of 15, 16, I thought I was killing it. So I was like, what do I need to worry about like life? Like my mom's I can make it as a singer. I got this. I've seen right. these big people perform, you know, I'm like and but you don't have the real life uh perspective, you know. And so when I switched to photography my first freelancer year, I did extremely well. But then my second year, that's when photography switched from, you know, regular photography to film. And I lost like 80% of my clients were super broke. I was so broke for like two years. So that's, that was my time when I took to rebuild myself and pick up on my sociology, psychology, philosophy, reading, you know, strategy. Wait, you, you uh, mean photography went from regular photography to film? Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the, the trends in the commercial trends, like right. it's, it's, gotcha. it's, it's right. very important, you know, and yeah. if you look at the, the majority, like if you look at Puma right now, they have like a very filmy vibe into it or Nike, you know, there's a fun, uh, I've never really built a, a film guy. And so the way I edited my photos didn't really change when the market changed. And so people, I guess, clients were expecting me to change to what's cool now. Right. But I kind of took my own route and, and, and I took a hit for that, like a very serious hit, like depressed, like super broke. My Amex got canceled. Like it was just ridiculous. Um, so that to me was a turning point, like 2017, 2018, when I realized, OK, the vision is much bigger. The vision is not about you. It's about a bigger it's bigger you know it's bigger and also sustainable you have to look into sustainability at that point i was looking at just hype i'm like i could do this like yeah no it's not hype can feed you this year hype can probably feed you for the next five years but what are you going to do after all this hype is over and and i think that's when i kind of pulled back and started looking at the the business aspect or the the strategy aspect speaking of feed i'm gonna i'm gonna feed you some spinach and i'm gonna send you a pull-up bar bro we gotta we gotta at least we gotta (laughs) get 10 days, bro. Get too, man. I realize it. Hey, we don't need you buff, bro, but we got to get a little. We just need a little something, something, bro. No, no. I, no, respect. Respect. I, I started doing push-ups yesterday. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Preparation for hey, this. Yeah. Trust me. I'll, dude, I just I just reordered a pull-up bar. Uh, I just Five. got it in, like, I don't know, maybe five, six weeks ago. Um, 
one of the main reasons because I've just I've gotten small. Yeah, I used to be like a buck eighty at one point. I don't want to be that big because I kind of look like a little muscle hamster. But <laughs> I'm like a buck fifty, bro. You know, and so I'm slowly. I think I'm like a buck fifty five now. I put on about five pounds. I'm trying to get back into like one sixty, one sixty five range. I gotta have a little. <laughs> I feel too. It just um, makes you feel better. Yeah, you feel, you active, feel full, just like so I'm. Just, I'm good. Like that's what my girlfriend told me. Like, babe, I think I need to like beyond these yoga stuff. I just need to like some push ups and pull ups or something because this this ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, bro, <laughs> I'm not trying to pull up to the beach and, get, and be the only person getting sand kicked <laughs> on him. <laughs> fact, fact, same, bro. Now, you know what it is? Also, my metabolism is, has always been like little and like like super fast. So I've yeah, always yeah. been skinny and it like gaining weight's the hardest yeah. thing. Yeah, one eighty is like my benchmark. Like I made it up to like one seventy eight, and I had to eat like five meals a day to get to that one. You're like what, like six foot. I'm six, yeah, six foot, and I'm like one one fifty five. Yeah, uh, but it's like, you know, so it's like, nah, <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. It's like, <laughs> my workout. Uh, like supporter from the other side of the world. Yes. Sir. Each other. Like, yes. Sir. <laughs> um, cool. Before we, before we wrap up the podcast, dude, it's been, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you. Um, I'd love to end the podcast with you sharing some words of wisdom with the AOV community. Uh, there's lots of young photographers out there and, uh, young and older photographers that can relate to you, whether where you're at now, where you were then, and so it'd be really great if you could maybe just share some some meaningful words from yourself to them that you think uh, would be important for them to hear, especially kind of with what's going on in the world right now. Uh, well, first and foremost, Prince, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, and thank you so much for having me on this. Man, I, I appreciate this opportunity to to be able to just share share like life, you know, with with you. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening, whoever's out there. Uh, the one major thing, you know, during during these hard times, I would say, is take this opportunity to really reevaluate your stance and where you are in life, and really focus on what the next steps will be. And I know this sounds very like corny, but I think the next steps are imperative. The volatility, or like where this market is going, or where the world is going, is very unknown in the next couple of months, and it can either be you know still chill, or it can get a lot worse. Um, and as, especially as creatives or whoever it is listening that's making money out of creativity, um, creatives tend to suffer, are in the front lines of budget cuts or, or, you know, or re-infrastructures in businesses, and we tend to be very undervalued. Uh, so that one of the things that I'm doing and I'm telling a lot of my team right now is to look at the business aspect of your art right now and study your, you know, your format, study how you sell yourself, like learn about all your abil- abilities, opportunity costs. One advice I would say is to build your leverage roster. Uh, so what I did when I first began is in order for me to have substantial conversations with uh, with brands or, or, or key players, I would like to inform them what oppor- what value I can bring to them. We as creatives sometimes forget that not only are we photographers, but you're an art director, you're a creative director, you're a producer, you're a model hunter, you're a, you're a, you know, you do all these, these other jobs on top of just taking a pretty picture. And so a lot of these jobs also need to be presented in that way. And you need to let, you know, people who are paying you for your work that, hey, listen, I'm more than just a photographer. I actually do all these extra work that, you know, is on set, but is, is an imperative aspect of, of what I do. So. Um, so look into the business aspect of it all. Stay positive. Stay creative. These are the times to work on your your business, but also work on new projects that you always wanted to do but never really had time for. 
and just enjoy your art because ultimately you got into this for a reason. And I think it is our job as artists to maintain ourselves together, to not let, you know, the, the next couple of months bring us down and to, to, to team up and, and treat this like a, like a wolf pack and, and, and overcome this together. You know, so stay positive and, and let's all win guys. Let's all win. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Hercules, make sure to check him out on Instagram at Eric Hercules. That's E R I C K. H-E-R-C-U-L-E-S, Eric Hercules. Be sure to stay tuned for the next episode of the AOV podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it on Instagram, Facebook with your friends, your mom, your dad, your sisters, kids, whoever you think would benefit from this episode. Feel free to reach out to me on my personal account at Wonderboy Prince if you guys have any questions or anyone that you guys would love to see on the podcast. I would love to hear from you. Um, until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. Love you guys. Take care. The MSI Creator Awards is honoring creative professionals all over the world who are dedicated to 2D graphic design, 3D animation, and video editing. MSI created the online contest to explore and recognize the talents in the industry. Get ready to let your imagination run wild and showcase your unlimited creativity with MSI content creation. Submissions run until May 13th and prizes will be awarded within four categories. Learn more at MSI.com.